That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Yeah. Yes. It's Jenna Ellis and the Trump Team Chain Gang. And that's not just the name of the hottest new rock band in America. It's also the theme of today's show. I'm Matt Robeson. It's the Balance of Power Roundtable. And we're part of the Beyond Politics podcast. And as always, I have noted musician and also former U.S. congressman, our resident coming from the crazy left, Paul Hodes, and our conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant, Alicia Preston. Yeah, Jenna Ellis, we have to lead off with this. Another Trump attorney has pled guilty in the Georgia RICO case relating to the election conspiracy. This is, what does MAGA stand for? Make attorneys get attorneys. Well, all of Trump's attorneys are apparently going to jail or they're paying fines or they're doing something. Jenna Ellis, this is hot off the presses as we record this Tuesday morning, has announced that she's going to plead guilty in the Georgia case for illegally conspiring to try to overturn Donald Trump's 2020 election loss in Georgia. This will make her the third attorney associated with Donald Trump to accept a plea deal in the criminal racketeering case, joining Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheeseborough, who both pled guilty last week. Paul, all joking aside, you have built as a former prosecutor, white collar prosecutions, you have built conspiracy charges. Boy, this really feels like a mob conviction. This feels like a standard RICO conviction. The dominoes are beginning to topple. All I, is, uh, is that what this looks like to you? All I can tell you is that these lawyers are all cowards. They're just cowards and they're liars because they don't know anything. And they never were attorneys for Trump. Trump doesn't need attorneys. He doesn't have any attorneys. And therefore, they're lying if they say they represented him. At You're least, doing a tongue-in-cheek thing here. You're not being oh, That is okay. the tongue-in-cheek. That's the Trump line because we now have three out of the four people who led in the Georgia case, they're lawyers. They were lawyers for Trump. That means they were privy to confidential conversations. Because if you're represented by an attorney, you think that what you're telling them is confidential. But they have now agreed to take lesser charges. The way it works is they're taking pretty sweet deals. Two of them have been sentenced basically to probation. They're first-time offenders. They don't have previous criminal records. This isn't a crime of violence. They were just trying to overturn the government of the United States. So they were given kind of sweet deals. She's likely to get a probationary sentence. The key feature of the plea deal is that they have to testify against Donald Trump. And in fact, they've already recorded some video statements that can be used against him. I mean, for example, Jenna Ellis said, called him a malignant narcissist, which is a mild, a mild form of insult. I mean, that's the least of his, of, anyway. But so, this is how a RICO case works, right? Like yeah, prosecutors trying to do. Right, right, right. They indict a whole bunch of people. Then they start working from the bottom up. And now that four of the, what, 18 or 19 have entered pleas, I think we may see an accelerating trend here. I think there may be other low-lying fish fry who want to get on the plea bandwagon. So how do you do this as a prosecutor? And by the way, for all of our listeners, uh, we have another prosecutor. Not that Paul isn't a great stand-in. He is a former prosecutor. We have another one who's also a media star, maybe whose star is slightly brighter, who we're hoping will be on the show shortly to walk us through all of this. 
So Paul, is that the way this works? Is there kind of a, hey, get, well, from the prosecutor a, standpoint, yeah, 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 do yeah, you yeah, put yeah. pressure on indicted conspirators this sure, way? If you move first, you get the best deal? Yeah, there's a back and forth that goes on. You know, the prosecutors are talking to the defense lawyers and everybody's very familiar, right? The prosecutors know the defense lawyers, know the prosecutors. Uh, they're all very friendly. And it's, hey, you know, we're we're getting ready here. And if your guy wants to come in, we're happy to talk. But if your guy doesn't want to come in, our hands are going to be tied because, you know, with the publicity around this case and the way the judge is looking at this, and if your guy doesn't come in, all bets are off. We're going to have to ask for time and the judge is likely to give time. And, you know, if your guy wants to come in early, the early bird gets the worm and we might be able to do something really attractive. Now, we're going to need your guy to talk. We're going to need your guy to tell the truth. But, we, you know, we're not going to we're if your guy comes in, I mean, I got to go talk to the boss, but I will recommend to the boss that we don't push for time. And for your guy, that's the difference between life and death here. I mean, look, let's face it, any jail time for your guy who doesn't know anything about this system is going to be terrible. I mean, you want your guy in an orange jumpsuit with those people down in the Fulton County jail? Come on. I mean, so I'll let you I'll let you go to your audio library to look up stuck in Folsom prison. But I, I mean, just for our listeners sake, because it is hard to keep track of all of the Trump attorneys and their various nefarious roles and all of the things that they have done. Jenna Ellis is she was a one time Fox News regular who was hired back in 2019 as a legal advisor to the Trump campaign. She was part of that post 2020 legal team. She was alongside Rudy Giuliani. She was actually by his side at the infamous press conference where his head started to melt. You know, it was like, oh, what a world. And, you know, she went to lots of battleground states. She went to Arizona. She went to Michigan. She went to Pennsylvania. And of course, she, the devil went down to Georgia. And it, that's what got her into trouble, along with the fact that she wrote a memo to Donald Trump outlining a plan. This is like a miniature version of the John Eastman memo. And it outlined, here's how Mike Pence could overturn the election results if he so choose, as, uh, chose. As we all know, Mike Pence said, I cannot do this. This isn't constitutional. This isn't legal at all. You guys are crazy. And we now know, anyway, so, so she wrote this memo. She wrote this plan, essentially, for Mike Pence to say that he was not accepting certain electoral votes, throw the whole process into confusion, throw it into a 12th Amendment process where the House would have to decide the election, and then the House would vote for Donald Trump. That was the game plan here. And Ellis was kind of the Georgia version of the architect of this strategy. She later ran afoul of a Colorado judge for making false statements about the 2020 election. And as part of that proceeding, she admitted that those statements were false and that she had acted with a, quote, reckless state of mind with selfish motives and that her actions had, in her words, undermined the American public's confidence in the presidential election. No kidding, mm. Jenis. Jenna, mm. we, we, we know. Mm. So, Alicia, all right, sorry. I've stonewalled you long enough. Does this matter? I watched the hearing this morning. It just ended about 30 minutes before we came on here for Jenna Ellis. And I got to be honest, I, I have 
a different, broader takeaway. And it was, I kind of felt sad. I mean, this is a 38 year old young woman who has five years. Of I love that we've gotten to a point in life that we're able to say 38. So, so, young. so young. I know we're there, right? Yeah. yeah. To, to me, she's been sanctioned by the bar association in the state in which she practices. She's got a hundred hours community service, $5,000 fine. Some people can say the sentence, big deal, but you know, how much of her life did she throw away for Donald Trump is what I thought while she was giving her elocution statement. And then I thought how many people have ruined themselves for Donald Trump. Now, some can say Donald Trump ruined them. I mean, I think to the Jeff Sessions of the world and the Mike Flynn's, but they did it to themselves because they allowed themselves to be subject to him. And by subject, you can take that many ways, including a subject of him. And I just kind of sat there this morning going, my God, the damage this man has done to so many people's lives. I don't know, Jenna Ellis, but I feel like she probably was not a terrible human being until she allowed herself to be sucked into this ring of Donald Trump. And how much of her life has she thrown away? She, she didn't lose her license to practice. She only got sanctioned as a lawyer. But who's going to hire her? What what have these people allowed themselves to be done? And I'd like to just blame Donald Trump for doing it to them. But at some point, you know, she may be a young woman in my mind at 38 years old, but she's not a child. And she allowed herself to be put in this position and to follow the lead. And in her elocution statement, she said, other lawyers with more experience than her told her things and she didn't independently verify them. And that was her mistake that she should have. And maybe that's true. And she implicated Rudy Giuliani, but I don't know. I walked away sad at how many people's lives have been destroyed by Donald Trump because they allowed themselves to be sucked into it. You ride with the devil long enough, pretty soon he's going to take the wheel. It does remind me of the police song, So Lonely. The police was a band like 40 years ago. I call, it more sting. I call it more a group. They're a group. The lyrics, someone told me yesterday that when you throw your love away, you act as if you just don't care. You look as if you're going somewhere. And she's going somewhere. Yeah. You know, she may have only been sanctioned so far with this plea deal. That may be the end of her legal career. And She has a podcast, though. Yeah. Oh, listen. And yes, one can feel sadness in kind of a general way for a, a young female lawyer who gets caught on the wrong side of trying to destroy our democracy. But on the other hand, you know, she is a trained attorney. And you think that there has been some experience in knowing what's right and what's wrong and what's legal and what's not legal. So how badly can you feel for her, This the greed of the people who settled themselves around Donald Trump and tried to elevate his plot to destroy our democracy is, you know, fairly a fairly base and common kind of kind of motivation. God, if they, if they got to overturn the election and she was a lawyer for this guy, I mean, just think where she'd be. Maybe she'd be Secretary of Health and Human Services. Maybe she'd be Secretary of Transportation. Maybe she'd be Ambassador to France. I mean, who? just think of all the good things that can come when you throw out the corrupt government that won but the election. Let's not poo-poo reality here. I mean, we're going back a few. Rudy Giuliani was the one apparently calling the shots to her, right? And this is before I know Rudy Giuliani's reputation before that had occurred. You're a 30-something-year-old lawyer and Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, the prosecutor of prosecutors who took down gangs and whatever in New York City, is telling you 
this is what you need to do. This is what the law is. This is how we overturn it. I don't know. I'm not apologizing for her. I'm explaining why I think it's sad. What young 30-something-year-old attorney wouldn't take the advice of Rudy Giuliani? Again, we know where his reputation is damaged now. We're going back three, four years. 38 is not that young, number one. And number two, 34 back then. His new career when he gets- And if that's not young, what the hell am I? Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Rudy Giuliani's new career. No comment. When he gets out of jail, is going to be a a line of hair products. He's going to try to take on, you know, hair color for men and come up with a new and improved boot black for his sideburns. Rudy Giuliani is a slug, right? He's a slug and he has been for a long time. So I'm sorry. I just, I just can't whip up any sorrowful, sad feelings for this person. I think Alicia... I mean, I'm interpreting your words, not to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like what you're saying is that the said in a Shakespearean sense, it's like a Greek tragic kind of sense. Uh, This is someone who has gotten herself screwed. Now, I agree with Paul at the same time, right? She has agency here. And Rudy Giuliani's compromising of his own reputation and his descent into insanity is long-standing for anyone with their eyes open. I mean, his attempted skullduggery in Ukraine goes back almost eight, nine years. You know, his machinations with his business around the globe, the people he was getting in bed with, in some cases, literally, if you saw the second Borat movie, you know, all of this was very knowable. It was a short Google away that this was not someone you should put your trust in. And the fact that you should not put your trust in Donald Trump, that was so knowable. That was so compelling. Before he ever became president. But everyone who has intersected Trump's orbit and has thrown their lot in with him has come to a bad end. But I mean, let's expand this out a little bit. And if I can rant at you for a second, I, I encapsulated all of this in a video on the Blue Amp channel. You can watch it. There is a nice little thumbnail that shows Voldemort. And I ask very seriously, is there a Harry Potter curse? going on in the Republican Party among Republican Party leaders. And I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek about this, but not really. Here's a fun Google for you. Look up House Republican leaders, and you'll find a nice Wikipedia page. And you can look back over the last 30 years. I am wondering, kind of seriously, is Newt Gingrich Voldemort, is House leadership the defense against the dark arts job? Did Newt Gingrich, after he went to the dark side and got all his horcruxes in a row, did he curse these House Republican leadership positions once he was thrust out of power for being corrupt, by the way? He, you know, like it was with cause, doesn't matter. Because if you look at the fate of every single Republican leader since Newt Gingrich was the Speaker of the House, they have all come to bad ends. Dennis Haster, Speaker of the House, child molester, in prison. Tom DeLay, Majority Leader, in prison. Dick Armey unleashed, and yes, that's a real name for listeners here. He unleashed the Tea Party. He was the father of the Tea Party. The Tea Party went on to take down the next set of Republican leaders. Kevin McCarthy was one of the Tea Party darlings. We all know what happened to him. Paul Ryan was eventually the VP nominee and the Speaker of the House. He resigned because he could not contain these Tea Party people. John Boehner was taken down because he could not contain these right-wing maniacs 
that came to eat the entire Republican Party. I could go on and on every single one. I think there's a curse. My point being this, Donald Trump is a known, he stiffed all of the small business contractors who work for him. Everyone who has worked for him has come to a bad end if they've thrown their lot in with him. They all end up running mea culpa books saying, oh, I was, I was sucked in. I didn't mean to do all the terrible things that Donald Trump made me do. And if you're his attorney, you end up testifying against him or in prison, in, in Michael Cohen's case, or both. And I think it's a problem with the larger Republican Party. I think, again, every single House leader of the last 30 years has come to a bad end. And you, at a certain point, you have to question, what is the fundamental sickness going on here? I'm not sure I'd equate people who go to prison with people who are like, screw this, I'm not dealing with this nonsense anymore. I think sometimes good leadership is walking away if you can't control the situation. So I'm not sure I would put those in the same conversation. But look, Don, Donald Trump has changed the Republican Party, if not forever, for a very long time and not in a good way. And the mess we're seeing in Washington right now is evidence of that. And I don't know how we come back. Like I said, people keep asking, why are you still a Republican? Why are you still a Republican? And I say, because I'm not a Republican because I'm any individual character. I'm a Republican because of my beliefs. I've said it a million times on the show in fiscal conservatism, individual freedoms, liberties. And that is what we have stood for since the creation of the Republican Party. And in writing, it still stands for it. And yet we prop up people who don't actually believe in any of those things, like Donald Trump and his sycophants. I don't think the history of the speakers or leaders of the Republican Party in Congress are indicative of anything. I think what's been happening the last five years in the wake of Donald Trump's existence in politics, or I guess we're on eight years now, is what the problem is. I think that's where the problem exist now why i would is suggest that the is? problem a goes back question. a lot farther than that though right I mean, trump was the logical extension of what happened when i was in congress and there's a whole there's a whole strain in american history of know-nothingism of bigotry of hatred of fascism of you know i mean rachel maddow for example just came out with a book called prequel in her book, which I have not read, she talks about the uh, fascism in the 1930s and the attempt by members of Congress and the Senate to overthrow the U.S. government. So we've come back around full circle. It's cyclical. The no, There were the know-nothings at the time of the Civil War. The party of hate, which is what the Republican Party has now become, seems to have uh, evolved pretty directly from the Tea Party that I experienced when I was in, in Congress. So it, talking about the derivations of insanity, you know, I mean, maybe every maybe what we really need is political Prozac for the, for the entire party. There is one thing I just, I want to go back, however. I mean, I know this is fascinating to try to figure out why the Nutwings became Nutwings, but going back to Jenna Ellis, I want people to understand one of the important things uh, that 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 happened, not with the Jenna Ellis plea, but with the Sidney Powell plea, is that Trump denied that she was ever his attorney. And one, if Trump maintains his denial that people are his attorney, that opens them up to spill 
all the beans, not just some of the beans, but it means that the attorney-client privilege, which is what attaches to conversations between clients and their attorney, meaning you can't testify about it in the ordinary course, that's wiped out. That's why Cheeseboro ultimately took the plea, is the speculation, we don't know this for sure, but he was trying to claim that he had attorney-client privilege. And then it was revealed that he had sent another one of these memos. Here's an idea, people. If you're criming, don't put it in writing. It's here's our big crime plan. There's also the crime fraud exception, but it means it wipes out. He said outright in a memo that what he was providing was not legal, but political advice. And the prosecutors were like, you kind of blew this up. Sorry, Alicia, go ahead. I just want to push back on the Republican Party of hate thing. The idea that it is only Republicans that have been spewing the level of anger we have in this country over the past 10, 20 years is simply false. I remember under the Obama administration, the left were absolutely vile to Republicans. I had never been called a racist in my life, and I have probably got called a racist hundreds of times under the Obama administration because I didn't like Obamacare. I remember I once wrote about this really crappy State of the Union he gave where he said absolutely nothing for way too long. And I was told in multiple emails from a column I wrote what a racist I was and my white privilege was coming out. And guess what that did? That pissed me off. It pissed me off because I couldn't criticize a black man without being a racist. This hate has gone on for a long time. And it has just gotten worse and worse. And Donald Trump was able to get where he is because he took that anger so many people felt at being called so many nasty, vile things for years, and he embraced it. And I don't support that. But that's what he did. And now it has exploded. But this idea that it's Republicans who are always nasty, vile, and mean is absolutely and factually untrue. And if we want to fix society, we all have to own it. I think, though, that's a little bit of a straw man argument. I agree with you that you're clearly right about that. There are people on the left who are full of anger and hate, sometimes justifiably so. It's right to be angry at many of the things that Donald Trump and right-wing Republicans have done. And yes, I, I think it is unquestionably true that people on the left spew hateful things. Look no further than Rashida Tlaib over the last week or so. I I, I think it's a straw man argument. We're looking at, in general, where is the anger, the reactiveness, the dysfunction coming from? I mean, look no further than the speaker race that that we're going through right now. Where is the unleashing of- I agree, but it didn't develop overnight. It did not develop overnight. No, I agree profoundly with you. That's why I'm saying I don't think that this is all Trump. I think Trump is horrifying and has, you know, he's just given in to the Republican Party's id. But it's been there. It's been building for a long time. I, let's let, let's talk about it in, in view of the, there are two other politics stories that kind of tie in here. One is the speaker fight. Right. And that has gone nowhere fast. Jim Jordan went down in flames. That's good news. I think for all concerned, right? Alicia's happy about this. We're all happy about this because, you know, we're not insane wackadoodle nut jobs. Like, you know, you can be a Republican. Except for me. No, you are. You are a little bit of a wackadoodle. You're a different breed, Paul. You know, I'm the wackadoodle on the left. In a good way. Yeah. But in a good way. You know, and so now we've got, if there was a gruesome I don't know what you call this. Is there a W? Come on, people. It's it's just Halloween. 
It's a melee. It's it's, it's a the purge. Politico called it the purge. You know that movie where like they're yeah, all yeah, laws yeah. are suspended. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. five of them. I'm a, those movies are so good. I urge everyone to watch all of them. On a, oh my god, they right, get Alicia, better. They better get better. Matter of film analysis. So right now, as we record this, there's still eight candidates. Now, after Jim Jordan went down, there's eight candidates that are all in a room. And I think that there's like beer. And I think Conan the Barbarian is there. And I don't know. It's, is there, there a Kraken? No, there's Bozo the Clown. And he's got balloons. And he's tying them into little elephants. Here's, here's, here's a fun one that leaked from the first of these meetings. So the Republicans are getting together. It's who's going to try and lead us now? Yeah, that worked out well for everyone else. Marjorie Taylor Greene, here's a great quote, asked each of these contenders about whether they would conduct intense oversight of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and Attorney General Merrick Garland, the latter over his handling of detainees from the January 6th Capitol riot. Uh, so the insurrection. So basically it's, will you stand with the internists over the Attorney General? And the quote here, I want to know which of you have the balls to hold them accountable. Wow. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. That's so that mistake that's, is you use the term Marjorie Taylor Greene and great quote in the same sentence. Oh, she's the source of a lot of great quotes. <laughs> Our biggest video on YouTube ever, it's up to 175,000 views, was when we had Steve Cohen, your friend from Congress, Congressman Steve Cohen, on this show, and right. he told a story for two minutes about what a quote shit show it was when marjorie <laughs> taylor green got up and started berating these generals and like he just set the scene and we just oh, played the story. clip steve cohen telling this story One hundred seventy-five thousand views or whatever it is so can you imagine being in general getting talked to that by someone like by anybody but someone particularly like marjorie taylor green this can you is, even imagine i mean good look, thing they're military because they could contain wait a second she's or, in charge of the republican party now no, she's like no, the high priestess She's the high priestess of what Republicanism no. has become. She is the epitome of the Republican Party. No, Paul, you're wrong. It's the party of George Santos. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, God. George Santos. I know. I know. No, let's exactly keep listing right. off some of these prize plums for Alicia. No. I, right. You've I got Tlaib and Omar and AOC. So yeah. you have terrorist sympathizers. You've got nothing. That's no, all I'm saying. No, you've got yeah, You guys have terrorist sympathizers. Yeah, you have people who are out there as terrorist sympathizers supporting Hamas. So uh, don't tell me it's all me. All my nice try. I, you know what? I'm willing. Let's do it. Let's do a showdown. We'll start listing off names. I think we can go on longer than you can. But anyway, all right. Does anyone have anything intelligent to say about the speaker fight? Is there anything to note? I mean, the Republicans have admitted that they've reached an embarrassing new low. We have crises in the Middle East. We have lots of issues at home. We have a government headed for a shutdown in mid-November. And these clowns, this shit show of a party, this nutwing cult can't figure out which bad wizard they want to put up to try to cast spells. I mean, these people, this is, it would be comical if you talk about sad, Alicia, if it wasn't so sad, I mean, I my heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to you as a conscientious, responsible member of what used to be the grand old party. I, I feel for you. I'll, I'll feel your pain. And these people are just making a mockery of our entire system of government. The, the, the real challenge is 
they can make a mockery of it. And it means we have a completely dysfunctional government at a time when we really need to be making some decisions and have some statesmanship. Oh, and by the way, there was a classified briefing that apparently leaked that the director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, and CIA director, William Burns, have briefed members of Congress that China is seeking to exploit the current chaos that Republicans have created in Congress to their advantage and to our disadvantage. So this is going well. Oh, and the leading candidate, I mean, for five minutes, Donald Trump gave the green light for his allies in Congress to attack him and take him down. Let's, let's remember, the this is not the majority of the Republicans. Two things. Number one, this is not the majority of the Republicans in Congress that are causing this chaos. There's a very uh, small really? group. Uh, yeah, eight man. people. Eight. Eight Republicans started this. A majority four. of Republicans in Congress voted to overturn the 2020 election. Eight. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. Eight Republicans in Congress. The Congressional House Republicans voted to shut down okay. the government. All right, you can want aboutism all you want. Eight half of you voted to shut down the government. That that was like three weeks ago. I know it's like ancient history. Eight Republicans caused this mess. The wackos, the Matt Gates of the world, and Nancy Mace. I don't know where she got crazy, but she went and gone done crazy too out of South Carolina. Does someone want to tell her that wearing the big letter A on your shirt? That A doesn't mean what you think it means. I, I don't know what she. You know what the that scarlet letter means. Me. That one that was, right. That was Hello. weird. That How was about weird. her husband? How does she, he feel? He's about gone this? crazy. I don't know what's going on. But eight Republicans started this mess, and now you've got probably twenty Republicans who can't figure out what to do, and the rest are trying to follow a lead. It is a mess. It is embarrassing. And what I would like to see, and I said it jokingly last week or the week before on the show, and now I mean it. I want to see Hakeem Jeffries get together with. 20 Republicans and say, who can we live with? What moderate Republican can we live with? And I think he should. It can't work, though. And you know why? This is very zen. Is that, have you noticed that Hakeem Jeffries and House Democrats have been awfully silent about the potential for working together with some kind of a consensus? Do you know why? Why would they act that way? It's because it's the ultimate poison pill. And Republicans have said this. If there's a perception that any Republican is working with Democrats on any kind of a consensus, on any kind of a deal, on anything that might kind of capture the middle of, a, of American opinion, that is a poison pill and, and that will end the career of whoever they put forward. That's why Patrick McHenry keeps shouting so loudly, no, don't give me permanent powers as speaker because that would involve a deal with the Democrats. The only way to arrive there, this is how sick things have gotten in the Republican Party. The only way to arrive there is for Democrats to disavow it and keep it quiet. It's it's a catch-22. If any detail leaks, and it inevitably would, that there was any arrangement between Democrats and some Republican leader, it would tank things immediately. They would be called a rhino. There would be ads run against them. Donald Trump would come after them. It would end their political career. So it can't happen. And who's doing that? Who's doing that? But wait a minute. The eight Republicans that caused this mess worked with the Democrats to do it. And somehow they get- No, 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 bull. They 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 didn't work with the Democrats. Those are the numbers. Eight Republicans caused this- The Democrats just didn't vote for 
eight Republican. Republicans voted the same way as all the Democrats, and we got into this mess. I'm not blaming the Democrats for that. I'm no, blaming the Republicans. They did not vote but the I'm same just way. saying, oh, Republicans. No, the Democrats voted for Hakeem Jeffries. The Republicans voted for someone else. They did not vote the same way. If, Re- if Hakeem Jeffries or any oh, so Democrat, it's the Democrats' responsibility to save actually, Kevin McCarthy. Did you rewind on this? Because I actually said I'm not blaming the Democrats for this. I actually okay. just said that about four seconds ago. No, I was too busy yelling at you. You can't I know, expect clearly. me to listen when I'm yelling. Clearly. But we have to – now, the second point I was going to make before you started yelling at me was Republicans also have to take responsibility, and this is a big lesson for 2024, that we would not be in this mess to begin with if Trump sycophant candidates in swing states weren't nominated to Congress in the first place, if they weren't nominated by the Republican Party, we it, it should have been uh, we should have had 25 more Republican seats than we have right now. And we wouldn't be in this position. It all stems back to Donald Trump, doesn't everything. It all stems back to Donald Trump that swing districts. I live in New Hampshire. We're, we're a purple state. We nominated in both our congressional districts the Trump sycophant, and they lost. They'll always lose. They'll lose in Pennsylvania. They'll lose in Georgia. They'll lose in all the states that actually are swing states that matter. And if we want to regain control of sanity and fiscal conservatism in the United States of America in 2024, we need to nominate Republicans for these positions that are not the Trumpists because people, the independents, the undeclared, are tired of it. I don't disagree with that. Now that I've taken a breath to stop yelling at you, I- I'm willing to accept things you say that I like, but I'm, I'm married to a Greek. I get yelled at else. all the time. Okay, fair enough. It's fine. But I get, I, while I agree, I still think it misses some root causes here because I, I still think this was my point about Dick Army, which is both a description of the Tea that. Party and the father of the Tea Party, is, yeah, who wouldn't like that? I like it. We saying, had a congressman named Dick Sweat. I just want to point that out. Yeah, Paul's predecessor in his seat in Congress. Yeah, Paul, you succeeded Dick Sweat. That's good for you. All right. Anyway, Richard, um, and, I, Richard and I are good friends. He's awesome. He's such a great. I guy. I like him. He was a friend of my dad's. He's a great guy. Oh, he's such a great guy. His daughter guy. interned in our office. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, good he's, guy. He's and his wife dude. is lovely. I, Ray Buckley, the chairman of the New Hampshire Democratic Party. At a New Hampshire Democratic Party dinner I used to have to attend, Paul did even more, like 5,000 of these things that are all these fundraisers. Ray Buckley openly said, as he was giving Dick Sweat an award, it's the man who chose this name and none of us can understand why. And it's, hey, my gosh, shots (laughs) fired. But anyway, like, you know. By the way, I'm going to go on Ray. I'm going to do a podcast with Ray after I'm done with this podcast. I'm going to check out Ray Buckley's podcast. You know all right, I think we have to draw this to a close. So okay. People, check out Paul on Ray Buckley's podcast. I still think we have unfinished business here, Alicia, because I still think Dick Army, the whole Tea Party, it tapped into a root thing going on in the Republican Party, which is pretty scary and has enabled Donald Trump. It's a chicken and egg thing. But we'll rant about that another time. I, I will take a deep breath, go back, rewind, and listen to all the ways that Alicia just agreed with me. That's my homework for after this episode. And in the meantime... I'm Matt from Paul and Alicia. We will see you next time.